Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CMO Podcast. My name is Paul Grossinger, and I am the group publisher of Canadian Manufacturing Online, Canada's number one source of daily industrial and business news. In this episode of the CMO Podcast, I am thrilled to be joined by two leaders in Canadian manufacturing, Chris Beaton, CEO and co-founder of eMotors Direct, and Corey Sutart, sales manager at eMotors Direct. Chris and Corey, welcome to the CMO Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Appreciate uh, the time. One of the things that we want to get started on is this whole idea of uh, efficiency in manufacturing. And one of the elements from a big picture perspective is sort of the the rising cost of energy and electricity uh, in Canada these days. Chris, we'll start with you. Any initial comments on sort of the rising cost of electricity in Canada? Yeah, for sure. Uh, here in Alberta, energy has tripled in the last three years, um, just with our, our usage demand and possibly with COVID and and other shortages. So we're not really supplying, we're not manufacturing any new electricity. So things have to get more efficient in user line. So that means motors, lights, anything that uses electricity has to be more efficient. You know, I think that's a great point. Corey, do you have anything to add to that? When we look at the industry as a whole, 30, 39% of the energy consumed in Canada is consumed by motor driven systems. So one of our, our goals is to just educate customers on, you know, updating their, their processes uh, and their motors, and obviously, when they have an issue and they're looking to repair or replace, doing their homework to really assess that and make sure they're they're making the right choice moving forward. Obviously, if, if we look at energy prices in Alberta, we're almost at uh, if you pay off the rack rate, you're almost at 25 cents a kilowatt hour. That's a massive amount of money in comparison to three years ago when we were at six or seven. So, so big deal and, and a big jump in energy costs. What would you say is like the direct impact of these rising costs? I know, I know there's rising costs for manufacturers in Canada. Like, have you seen any direct impact on these rising costs and how they potentially negatively affect companies? Well, obviously, you know, you look at, at large companies, we already pay a premium to use power during those main hours of, of business. There's lots of companies who run shifts outside of the regular hours because they do get a, uh, a rate decrease on their, on their energy consumption and all that kind of things. So the higher this climbs, just the more impactful that's going to be. Not everybody can run a second shift or a night shift. It just doesn't work for every company. Obviously, companies who want to grow and expand, add more, say, machining equipment or that kind of thing, they're just they're consuming more energy all the time. So the costs just keep rising. I think also we'll start to see brownouts in the future or just rising costs for consumers, which will just hurt everybody. For sure. And I think, I guess, I guess when you talk about brownouts, the whole idea of uptime for companies is important, right? Is that they need to be up and running for them to continue doing what they do. For sure. I understand. And I think, uh, uh, Corey, you talked about this, about how not all motors are created equal. All right. Can you talk about that and what manufacturers should be looking at uh, when it comes to these products and solutions? Sure. You know, we've gone through stages in the, uh, the lifespan of electric motors Back in, a, in uh, 2012, I believe, was the last push by the Canadian government to um, upgrade motors from high efficient or standard efficient motors to what we currently sell in the market is premium efficient motors. And that gave us about a 2%, 2 to 8% improvement on the motor's efficiency. Um, and there's actually talk now, uh, a lot in the US and some other parts of the world, they want to move to the super premium efficient motors, which again, will probably jump us in that 1% to 4% um, efficiency range. And those numbers sound really small, like what's who cares about 2%. But if we look at it on a larger scale, say a large pipeline with a, a big compressor motor, like a 2000 horsepower motor runs 365 days a year, 
it's consuming 15 cents a kilowatt hour in power. If we save one or 2%, that's like 20 to $30,000 a year in, in power savings. That motor consumes almost a million dollars worth of power a year. So if we can, you know, in, in a, a few years, five years, pay for the cost of that new efficient motor and then get the next five years of 20 or $30,000 per year savings in energy costs, that's a big deal. Um, obviously, that's, that's a, a pretty large example, a large, large motor. But if we look at smaller manufacturing companies, they still might have two or 300 motors in their plant. If we can gain one or 2% efficiency on that large spread, it is a it is a big savings in the year. For sure, Chris, do you have anything to add to that? When people are buying electric motors, they're lo usually looking at the initial purchase price. So this motor costs $1,000 or this premium motor or the super premium motor costs $1,500. But they can't be so concerned and so short-sighted about that. An electric motor... The 97% of the electric motor's cost is the power. Only 2% is the initial purchase price, and then 1% is maintenance. So when you're looking at a pie graph that shows 90%, 97% is that power cost, you don't have to be so concerned about the initial purchase price if you're getting a better efficient motor. I think I think to, uh, to mention, you know, if, if customers are interested in learning more about that, there are more than one efficiency calculator on the, on the web that you can access. We certainly have one on our site. Uh, it's just kind of a nice little... Uh, tool to plug in your numbers of what you currently have and maybe the new product you're looking at and just see what savings could be offered from that standpoint. For sure. And I, and I think these tools are very effective uh, for manufacturers out there and these calculators and so forth. From speaking to your clients from coast to coast, is this a pain point for them? Is I know there's a lot of things that keep manufacturers up at night these days, right? Um, whether it's labor shortage or hiring and recruiting or importing and exporting or whatever it might be, or, or supply chain. Um, are you finding that that efficiency and electricity and rising costs are are they noticing it and are they are they expressing these pain points to you? We're not seeing necessarily seeing it from the people that we deal with because we're dealing with purchasers, maintenance people, and their concern is uptime, downtime, keeping the plant running. Um, it's probably somebody else's job to pay the power bill, and that necessarily hasn't funneled down to the maintenance team yet. Uh, so in some cases, it can be a big chore to make a premium efficient move. If we look at a large food manufacturer and they have two or 300 motors and they're all in the range of five to 20 years old, it could be upwards of a few hundred thousand dollars to change to premium efficient. Now that might save them 50 or hundred thousand dollars on their power bill, but that's a big decision to make. For sure. Corey, uh, do you want to add anything to sort of that, that pain point and what manufacturers are talking about out there? Yeah. You know, I don't think today it's a direct pain point, but obviously if we keep going the way we are, you know, we're talking about Alberta because that's that's where we are, but it's it's no different across the country. Alberta really doesn't produce a lot of electricity with the advent and real push for electric vehicles and all that. Our grid out here is is super taxed. So if we start seeing, to your point, like brownouts or, or uh, decreases for certain companies where they can only use max capacity during off-peak hours that's going to start affecting them. They're going to have a harder time finding labor. They're going to have a harder time, you know, running full shifts, full capacity. Uh, and that's really going to affect them at some point. So these would uh, implement some kind of penalty at some point if we just don't have enough, if we run out of power and that would affect them more than it is now. For sure. And I guess at some point there's got to be a call to action where these manufacturers are going to have to buy and replace new motors. Right. And so um, what, when that's the case, 
Any advice in terms of what they should look for? Is there a checklist that they should have in terms of what they should be searching for on the market? Really just, you know, if you're going to, if you have a, a motor that say fails, um, you can certainly look at, you know, there's motor shops out there who can rewind motors. Um, but again, just doing your, your homework, if your motor's already 20 years old, it's probably three to 5% less efficient than a new motor. A rewind is going to be 75% of the cost of new. Um, a new motor comes with three-year warranties versus a repaired one only comes with one year of warranty. A new motor is, is going to save you in energy efficiency, all those types of things. I think that's what they really have to look at. Try and get as efficient a motor as you can possibly fit into your budget um, and probably the best quality of motor you can as well. And does the type of motor depend on what kind of manufacturing uh, a company's doing, whether it's food or, or anything else? Is that, does that matter in terms of what kind of efficient motor that they look for? Not really. Uh, if we get across all industries, whether it's gravel crushing, aggregate construction, agriculture, or food manufacturing, or just manufacturing in general, they're really using all the same motors. And usually there's different choices of efficiency. You can get a cheaper efficiency motor, or you can get a more premium efficient motor for a few hundred dollars more in some cases. One of the things the industry is doing, obviously, uh, as these new regulations come in, again, we're talking about the super premium efficient regulation that the U.S. is talking about. More than likely, it will trickle into Canada. Canada seems to follow uh, the U.S.'s lead in many of these, these situations. So the manufacturers at some point will be mandated to only produce that quality of motor. So we'll see that shift in the next you know, five to eight years, probably, where all the new motors being produced will be more efficient, regardless of the, you know, what the customer is truly looking for. The industry will just move that way. No different than vehicles. They have to be more fuel efficient. They have to have less CO2 production, you know, whatever stipulations the, the government puts on them. That might be a good time to talk about something else. I've been reading a little bit about uh, spare inventory optimization, right? Uh, and how to get ahead of downtime. Um, maybe Chris, if you wanted to just to chat a little bit about why a company should standardize their uh, spare motor inventory. For sure, that can be a real complicated conversation for maintenance people and purchasers. Um, but downtime is the real killer for any manufacturing plant that runs one shift at eight hours a day or 24 hours a day. If they don't have the proper spare motor on site, it could take anywhere from a couple of days to get it, a couple of weeks, maybe that has to be repaired, or maybe it's a custom order and has to be ordered from the factory that would take 26 weeks. So having the spare on site, having standardized spares. Um, also, we've seen a lot of uh, large food producers and manufacturers that don't have a grasp on their spares. So they might have two or 300 motors in their plant. Because they're not standardized, they have to have maybe 75 or 100 spares. If you can standardize your plant, you can maybe get those spares down to 10 or 20 of the most um, uh, most hardest to find motors and then know what motors you have and how hard they are to find. Do you have a plant full of very common motors that you can get from anywhere, any local motor shop or from a, a place like eMotors Direct? Or do you have a bunch of special stuff that needs to be custom ordered and then you should standardize those and have those spares on site? Yeah, with that being said, are there any challenges that a company should look towards or foresee when they're implementing these recommendations, Corey? When we talk to our clients about um, you know asset management, spare inventory optimization, it all begins with really knowing what you have. If you can index or or catalog your current products in your plant, so that you know at location, you know why one I have a half horsepower motor, a small gearbox, and a small drive, and you have all that information cataloged, then it just gets really easy to keep spares because now I know from that index that I have. 
14 one horsepower motors in my plant. They're all this frame size and take this voltage. Now I can stock one or two spares as opposed to, oh no, I need one, a spare for this machine. And oh, I need a spare for that machine and not really knowing what you have and where it goes in the plant. So one of the biggest things is to just figure out, you know, make that list of what you have. Um, the second part of that is working with your, you know, your motor vendor to see what, as Chris mentioned, which ones are standard, which ones are easy to get and which ones are like, Hey, that's a really, you know, unique product or very proprietary. It only comes with that piece of equipment from that OEM manufacturer. And that one you might want to keep on the shelf versus, you know, a regular off the shelf motor that five different manufacturers would probably have somewhere in Canada. That might be less of a priority for you. The last piece of that is really understanding which pieces of equipment in your facility are, you know, of utmost importance to you. If you're at an aggregate plant and your main conveyor that brings all of your main material into your wash plant, say, goes down, you can't afford to have that down. If your one shaker table is not working, not the end of the day or the end of the, the week, but if your main conveyor bringing all of your, your gravel and stuff into your wash plant is down, that's a big deal. You better have a spare for that thing because if it goes down, you need it up and running in probably an hour, right? Yeah, and that goes back to our conversation before about downtime and how to avoid that or minimize it as much as possible, right? And, and that's something that probably keeps the execs up at night too sometimes, right? From a resource perspective, uh, does eMotors offer any and resources or any tools regarding um, this whole concept of spare inventory optimization? For sure. We're building uh, CMMS, which is a computerized maintenance software. Um, so this would be this would allow you to track your spares, track your maintenance, um, and then know when you change that lot motor last, it would help you standardize uh, what you have. Um, we're still working on this, and it'll probably be released in the next year or two. But there's a lot of inexpensive things you can do right now. Even just an Excel spreadsheet, you can make a list of all the uh, machines you have, what they have on there. And then you can see from a 10,000-foot uh, view where you can standardize certain things. Maybe you have lots of three-quarters, and then you have one half horsepower motor that's kind of an oddball should you upgrade that to a three-quarter horse to make this whole line the same or do you have this weird stuff that just nobody has on the shelf and you need to get a quote from your motor shop and maybe keep one on the shelf so building something even very rudimentary to begin with would be a huge help from what most people are doing now me and jill actually just finished a, a template we'll be posting it on the site here shortly just kind of the the information you'd normally gather on your motor your gearbox your vfd gives you really good information so that when your mechanic comes to you and says, you know, the motor at XYZ location is down, you can quickly look at that chart, see what it is, maybe go to your spare inventory list, see if you have one. And if you don't, then reach out to your vendor. At a very, very base level, you know, I tell customers to at the very least have a picture catalog. Take a picture of what location it's in in your plant, what the name tag on the motor is, a picture of how the motor is mounted in the facility, and then do the same for the peripherals, the VFD or control system, the same thing for the gearbox and the nameplate on it. Then at least when something goes down, you already have those pictures taken. You can shoot them off to your vendor of choice and they have all the information as well as some reference of how this thing is being used in the environment it's being used in, you know, just at their fingertips. It just speeds up the whole process for everyone. For sure. And this is probably a good segue into sort of our, our last theme. And I really want to delve into sort of the, uh, the evolution of, of motors and sort of how your company has been innovative and improved over the years and provided strong technology and uh, solutions. Maybe Chris, can you talk about sort of the evolution of, of your products and solutions into the market? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, we started our bricks and mortar business uh, in 1975, and that's evolved through my father and to my brother and I. Uh, and then we had an idea back in about 2015 to start an online entity. So we started eMotors Direct. What we wanted to do was bring technology that is kind of in the consumer market that every, everybody is used of in your consumer life to this antiquated industry. The electric motor industry is about 20 years behind everything else. So we wanted to bring an online store, a knowledge center, things like the standardizations, different tools we're building and, and different softwares and hardwares uh, into the 21st century, into what people normally want today with their, or normally see today with their personal lives. So we wanted to bring this, this antiquated industry into 2023. Um, so we've really done a lot of work over the last seven years in doing that. Corey, do you want to talk just about sort of the uh, the technology advancements in the industry and maybe where it might be heading in, in the next one, three, five years? Well, from a technology perspective, um, you know, obviously we talked about uh, premium efficiencies. Motors haven't historically changed a lot in the last hundred years, other than some efficiency, some, you know, some features and benefits. Um, obviously, Motors can handle higher heats and, and different um, power sources with VFDs and that kind of thing. But, you know, it, it is a slower industry to change, mostly because it just doesn't have to. Motors work extremely well. They are already pretty efficient. On average, I would say they're in the uh, low to mid 90% efficient for industrial style motors. So there's not a, a whole bunch of updates to do. Um, and then those resources are a little bit slower. I think when we look at you know, our company um, and, and things that are happening in industry, it's almost more around the deliver, delivery of information and the delivery of products. You know, if we look at, uh, at industries as a whole, larger companies have consumed smaller companies. But the problem with that is your experts in those fields have also shrunk. How can I work for a company that sells literally, you know, screwdrivers to air compressors and no all the pieces in the middle and be an expert at them. I think it's one of the things we, we tried to do with eMotors is really focus in on just the motor industry and have all that information in one place for our customers to access. Craig and Corey, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed uh, our conversation and I know our audience will find your industry insights and experiences educational, practical, and thought-provoking. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for your time, Paul.